Our film this week is what started the summer blockbusters. It's also one of the first films to film on the actual ocean. Of course, we're talking about Steven Spielberg's massive film, Jaws. Jaws is a gigantic struggle between man and nature, which is similar to Melvin's Moby Dick. It's been compared to such films as King Kong and Godzilla. We think that this film has even more relevance during these crazy times. So listen and find out why we love this all-time classic horror film. Welcome to Adult Beverage Podcast, where we will be talking films, new and old. He's looking at you, kid. Think the fly thing. Did we just become best friends? Yep. As well as anything else in the entertainment world, while enjoying an adult beverage in hand. tell you that there's a bunch of boy scouts out in april bay doing their mile swim for their merit badges i couldn't call them in there's no phones out there okay come on get out of there take this stuff back to the office and get to work on those signs right. beaches closed no swimming by order of the amity pd well welcome back to adult beverage film podcast guys and and don't we have an exciting film to talk about today yeah. none other than Jaws. So basically, I'm just going to say it right up front. This is the movie that really got me inspired about filmmaking and about things being different on the screen compared to other forms of art and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was a kid, went to see this film, and it just blew me away. You know, right out of the shoot, I was. I was like, so I'd never been to anything like that. And I didn't, I grew up at the beach and I didn't want to get in the water for two weeks and was living at the beach and had no desire to get in the water for two weeks. It was a, honestly one of those moments where I, you know, getting in the water for the first time, it just impacted me. There's not many films that come out like this that have this kind of effect on people, but I think this is what horror is all about. So we're going to talk about horror and dig into it in lots of different ways. But before we get there, I want to introduce everybody. And today we've got a special guest with us, uh, and that is Brooklyn. Welcome to the show, Brooklyn. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Awesome. Well, Brooklyn, if guys, if you're not seeing this, has his actual poster behind uh, him right now. So with Jaws, you know, showing his big formidable oh, I thought that was head. Jaws four. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Obviously, the best of the, the franchise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we've also got Laura Truman here. Hello. Yay. And Patrick G. Keenan. He's so Hi. good. He has to have a G in the middle of it. Because it stands for good. Good. That's right. Good. Good. And we've got Carlisle Squeaker Hamrick over here hanging out with his Beatles haircut. So so, uh, anyway, let's get into Jaws after that one. What, did Yoko write that one? Come on. Just let it be. Let it be. Let it be. That's it. So, is this all your all-time favorite horror film? First of all, let's just go and, and go around. Yeah, I'm going right to the hardcore question. Yes. Oh. Yeah, honestly, yeah. For I, I me. <laughs> yeah, and like like what, what you said, Kent, it just got you into uh, it mesmerized you. I got you into filmmaking. This is the first movie. And I was about the same age. I was nine when it came out, 
And it was the first movie that I saw multiple times in the theater. I saw it six times as a child. Wow. That's how mesmerized I was by this film. Grandma took me, my mother, my father, my cousin. We all went to see six times I saw it as a, as a kid. So, yeah. Did it make you fear the water? It did. Yeah. It, it, it did. You know, not that I was uh, an active beach-going person because I, you know, grew up in uh, Brooklyn and, and Coney Island. You know, nothing lives in Coney Island uh, in the water. <laughs> uh, so, but, yeah, I mean, even when you go in, you know, for the first time after seeing this movie – yeah, it, it, you're very weary about what is underneath that waterline, just like in the first scene in the movie, the way Steven shot it, is that that camera was waterline, and you saw Chrissy struggling, but you never saw what was beneath her, which I thought was brilliant. Right. So scary. Right. So scary. I think that, that it, you know, for me, even today... You know, all these years later, I mean, this is what, uh, I'm not sure. It's quicker. The year pro- two, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know what year we're in. I'm talking oh, about oh, years oh, for oh. the film. 45 or 46 yeah, years? Yeah, 40, 45, yeah. Yeah. After this film, yeah. I still go into the water, and and it's not because of sharks. Uh, it is because of Jaws that I always look around me when I'm in the water. I, I'm just very oh, cognizant yeah. of what's around me when I'm in the water. And, and, I, and I say it's because of Jaws, um, because we know that sharks are out there all the time, um, and we knew that, but this movie gives you that fear that makes you think about it. And that's what great storytelling does, is it gives you these, you know, a, a great horror film really touches on these kind of things, and this is one of them. Um, and, and I go back to this question again, what is your, is this your, you know, we have, you know, Brooklyn saying this is his favorite you know, this is definitely one of my favorites of all time. I, I won't say it's the number one, but I will say it is in the top five horror films to me. And a lot of people don't even think of this as a horror film. I was going to say that. Like, I don't know yeah. that I think of it as a horror film, but the more I hear you talk about it and after watch it again, it is a horror movie, but it's in broad daylight and horror movies aren't in broad daylight. And that's what makes it super Mm. special. Right. Yeah. I don't see it as a horror movie either. I see it as a uh, biopic. (laughs) A biopic. Uh, No, I see. It's It's a documentary. Because, because our villain is just doing what's natural. It doesn't feel like, like a horror movie to me has got to be, uh, more supernatural, more uh, uh, malevolent. Now, it's Bruce is the shark is malevolent, but uh, because yeah. he's being a shark. Yeah. So I never. Uh, but after hearing you talk, it, I mean, it would be in the top horror movies, I think, for me. But it would not be my my number one. Yeah. But in, in, in what you're saying, Patrick, it's um, what 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 scared me. What made it more of a horror flick to me. What happened in the movie is something that would never happen. Sharks don't attack. Sharks don't keep coming after you. You know, he, he went from person to person. He, he jumped on the boat to get Clint at the end. That's <laughs> unnatural. So that's making me think, wow, oh, does yeah. a shark really do this? You know, See, when, I don't believe you sharks don't, do that. Realize that. <laughs> no, but they don't do that. It, it, that's unnatural. So then they, it makes you think, look at the kid. Yeah, you see, yeah. <laughs> as a kid, you look at it and you're like, Wow, they really do that? I thought they just swim and occasionally, you know, bite some. I didn't know they had this this revenge factor where they keep coming at you. So 
So that's what made yeah. me as a kid a horror movie. Well, it's definitely scary as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. as scared about uh, when Chrissy gets it, but when the Kintner kid gets it, uh. I still am traumatized every time I see that because he comes, he, it's a rollover with the shark and the uh, Alex, I think is the Kintner kid, mm-hmm. yes. goes underwater, but then he comes up with this fountain of blood oh, shooting right. in the air and traumatic. goes down again. And then they're showing reaction shots of people like, did you see that? Yeah. Those kids and really looked freaked out. <laughs> oh my! I would be freaked out. Yeah, yeah. But it was like you could feel the heartbreak for his mom because you know that feeling of like where she sees oh. all these other kids running out and she's screaming his name. Is like, yeah, he's not, he's not coming out. That's and it. the bloody raft flows into shore. Oh, man. Yeah. oh my god! And the fact that she told him not to go out one more time and then she gave in to him. Yeah. Oh. <gasps> But still, she finds it in herself to forgive herself and blame it on Brody. There you go. So uh, Let's go know. slap Brody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think she has slapped a lot of people since then. Um, yeah. Because uh, one of the things I noticed on one of the documentaries about this is that she con- was constantly asked to be, you know, sl- grown men asking to be slapped. Now, I know there's a lot of people into oh that. Oh, my God. Um funny. Like squeaker, but uh, you know, other than you know, these are things um, that uh, you know you just don't expect. And of course, now I understand she does not do it anymore. She she came to a point when she realized that it was probably and not. She turned eighty. Yes, yes. And went, my arm might break because it's brittle. Exactly. Go slap yourself. I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, <laughs> Laura. <laughs> who is your favorite character in this movie because there's such great characters and I think there's more than what we see on the screen Quint yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. it's gotta be Quint it's gotta be Quint <laughs> I, I love I love the threesome the threesome yeah. I love the three guy at first you're like cause you're introduced to Brody first and you feel for him so you you definitely wanna uh uh attach yourself to him. But then Hooper comes along and you're like, oh my God, he's funny too. Mm-hmm. And brings wine. Mm-hmm. So you really like him. And then Quint, you're like, oh, he's such a a douche until the Indianapolis monologue where he's yeah. humanized and you go, I really like him now. He's really cool. I like the love hate between him and Dreyfus. Oh yeah. Oh, like they was, hate each other. Real. Yeah, yeah, but like they real. also really like each other. Like, and they, I think they hate that they like each other. It's wonderful. It's magic. I think it becomes magic on screen. And there's this sort of, like you said, uh, Brooklyn was talking, is that there in real life there was this you know, kind of hate between them. But uh, I think it was also an admiration for each of them. Um, uh, I know. I think uh, Richard Dreyfuss had had a movie come out and that was kind of caused a lot of the uh, friction um, between uh, Robert Shaw and him um, that was doing very well. And Robert Shaw was kind of like sticking that at him and kind of grinding on him during the production. But also when another thing that happened too is you're seven months in this production, which is, you know, that's a long time to be, on a boat, and I don't oh. know if any of you've got, uh, you know, Patrick, if you filmed on water, I have. Um, no, never. And never. I can tell I you this much, it is a absolute nightmare to shoot on because constantly moving. Uh, it's right. constantly, you know, changing. You're constantly in a different position and you're trying to keep your, you know, horizons lined up and 
it's just it's one of those things where you're just it's it's so tough. Uh, I, know, I think uh, I think uh, Squeaker was actually with us on on some of those uh, days when we were filming some of that. And it's yeah, just Laura, it, Laura too, right? Yeah, Laura. That's right. Laura was with us oh too. Oh my god, I was. I blocked yeah, it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we, we don't we don't want to talk about it because we're still <laughs> in works on this one, but um, down the road. Uh, but uh, it was fun. It, yeah, it was. It fun. was fun. Um, it and was cold. <laughs> yeah, it was super cold. <laughs> but but that that you know process is such a you know a thing. I think this film has a lot of characters in it. I think uh, the music was a character in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. You know, because it, it, it really, you know, the music was tied with the shark, but, the you know, a lot of times it was just POVs um, that we saw and we didn't see the shark. Um, and the, the music is sort of tricky at times, too, because it's, like, deceptively happy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, everything's cool. Everything's, oh, my God, there's a shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, even after the shark comes by, it'll be like that. The music will swell, and then it has that. It kind of flares into that, doo, 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 like this weird, like. Uh, yeah. It's, the horn uh, it's in yeah. Yeah. I, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Can you tell I'm very musically oriented? <laughs> them things, them instruments they played, they sounded honk, pretty. Honk. Uh, but it's it's deceiving because you're like, oh my god, that that thing's horrifying and then you hear this pretty pretty horns playing and you're like okay <laughs> like all right happy happy ocean music yeah. happy shark because the you suspense know, in the movie it, it oh, isn't sorry, really ahead. in go what ahead. happened it's not what happens that's scary it's what might happen it's yeah. the fact that at any moment the shark could could come out and attack anybody um when ben gardner's head came out that happened yes and i yeah, shot no. my 10 year old pants but you didn't know it was, yeah. I, <laughs> I, well, I didn't know it was going to and, and you didn't know did. that was shot in a pool either did you correct right <laughs> which was after the fact um right. and spielberg was it not even there shot so. in a kiddie pool and i mm-hmm. still would have shit myself mm-hmm that Are we going to talk about? Scary. And that actually, that, that let's talk about that because the controversy. That, well, the, Are we well, going to talk about well, that? that? Well, we're going to get into some controversy for okay. sure. But okay. on this case, let's stay right here with the fact that that scene was not going to be in the film, and that was something that Spielberg uh-huh. added, um, and he actually paid for that out of his own pocket to have that scene put in there because he wanted the wanted one more scare in the film. So, I, you know, I think that shows the fact that he was so devoted to his craft that he wasn't willing to quit. And he actually said, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So they found a pool and they, you know, did the head and all that good stuff. So, it, you know, it's, it's real interesting. I, I before we get on to what you were talking about, Laura, I want to say one thing. I want to, this is a quote. And I think this quote uh, fits so well with this film. It's, uh, it's probably one of the, the greatest thing and and it's basically here the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is the unknown and this is from hp lovecraft uh Mm. you know that's what this film's about is that unknown fear you know it's unknown the whole time um and what i like about it and it goes back to uh a producer that actually was making films, horror films back in the fifties was uh, Val Luton. And he made these movies. And a lot of times they were without seeing the creature, you know, you really, the creature was not seen that much, you know? Um, And, you know, I remember when they were making this and hearing about all the stories that they were having problems with it. And because at that time, this book was the number one seller 
I mean, I think it was the one of the top grossing uh, books being sold at that time. It was. It was. My mom read it a yeah. number of times. Yeah. And that's so why we went to see the movie was because she had read the book and it scared her. Right. And, 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 you know, so it was already out in there and there was all this hype about it. And then we were hearing about them making it and, you know, you just kept figuring out how is this going to be done, you know, and how's it, you know, you would read the little horror film magazines and, you know, they would have some clips and stuff in there of what was going on. And, you know, but, but for this to turn out the way it did is just fabulous. If, if you could say, is, is this Steven Spielberg's finest achievement because that's a tough one man there's so many good ones i'm leaning well, towards yes I i'm leaning still, towards yes yeah and i also say it's one of his biggest failures if right. you think about it because a lot of the stuff that we talked about not seeing the shark that was done on accident because mm. the shark wouldn't work right <laughs> so, so right. he said well how do we shoot this and and at the time uh he hired um carl gottlieb who actually left the Odd Couple? He was a, a comedy writer, yeah. And that's when you know Stephen wanted some more comedy, and that's why he hired Carl. And um, uh, every day they go back and just rewrite, 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 and they write for tomorrow's uh, day shooting because they did, nothing was solid. Nothing was. They didn't know it was all on a whim, right? Because of accidents, because of, 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 of things not working, or. And so it was a big sight. The, the 157 days that it took to shoot the film, which is over 100 days more than what it was budgeted for, <laughs> failure. Ooh, so yes. if, if it didn't, if it didn't make the money that it made, Stephen would never be where he is today, probably, or right. it would have taken him longer. But now, because it made the money, he said, "From this film, I can do anything I want." Right. So I think right. that makes right. it the best one yeah. because it exactly. it paved the way for all the other ones. Well, and, 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 and you're like uh, Brooklyn was saying here is that there's there were so many failures in this. It wasn't just that. I mean, even the fact, um, that, you know, how Spielberg got on. He was not the, you know, the director that was number one on the list. Um, and it actually had a, someone else that they had planned. And I'm, not, I'm drawing a blank on who it is. I actually have it somewhere in my notes. Um, but there was. And then that person fell out, and then they hired another guy, and then all he kept thinking about was like Orca, 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 you know, and they fired him, and then that's when they brought in Spielberg. So, you know, you think about how this all played out in his career, it's fascinating. Um, but then he got there, and then he was even to the point of being afraid to leave the island when other the crew members were leaving on breaks when they had days off to go somewhere. He was afraid to leave the island because he thought if he left the island, they were going to replace him as a director and he wouldn't be, this would be done. So it is a failure, but also a success because in my mind, this is one of the best films at watching filmmaking. The, the processes that went into this film, uh, the camera angles, the movement of the way the camera moves throughout this is fascinating to me. Even watching it now and, and looking back on it, there's so many things about this that just that jump out at me. Um, Even some of the still the, the shots that didn't evolve any movement. There is this shot with uh, so uh, uh, Quint is at the end of the pulpit, and I think that the shark just pulled down the barrel or something like that. But you could see it's basically uh, dusk behind him, and he's facing inward towards the boat, and it's just a shot of him, and he's kind of bobbing up and down with the boat, and it's a 
fucking beautiful, beautiful shot. And it's nothing too crazy as far as I know in shooting it, but it just looked brilliant. And uh, Is that where he and, he and Dreyfus are looking at each other? Yes, exactly. Dreyfus, That's a great I still moment. do that. When Dreyfus looks at the camera and I'm like, what the fuck is that? He's looking at Quint and it's like, <laughs> and then they sh- they cut to Quint. He's just staring back at him and it's, uh, uh, mwah. His, his little half smile is like perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's so many shots in this that are just you know amazing about it, and the and and the thing about it is he's not doing anything crazy in this. The a lot of things are like very simple uh, on sticks movements, but the way he orchestrates his his blocking is f- phenomenal in this. First of all, uh, if you watch this film again and you look, you will notice that he's constantly moving the actors. So there's never a time when the actors are stagnant. They're constantly moving into different positions. They're popping up. Heads are popping up out of frame or they're falling into frame. Uh, he just, he uses, I mean, it is all the way through it, uh, um, an absolute masterpiece on filmmaking and how to do it with, in a sense, in a guerrilla style formula, even though this was a blockbuster style film, it was done guerrilla style. No one. This is also the first film that was ever filmed on the water, so no one had ever done this before. And you know the the things that he pulled off in it are just phenomenal. Because for number one, he was smart enough to never show the land, so that never that always gave you when they were out at sea gave you that fear that you couldn't see land. And you know. I've been sailing, and the worst thing that ever happens. I'm not a. I'm not a, one of these that wants to go sailing when I can't not see land. But when you get far enough out and you can't see land, it's a little nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't. I know you have GPSs and all this stuff nowadays, but it's still a little nerve wracking. And I think that's what really made this successful is that you, we were constantly at fear of where we were, how far out we were, until the final scenes. You know. Right, and then you do you know, see it in those final scenes, and yeah. it kind of it gives you that you're like, okay, it's going to be okay. Like, land is within within sight. Right, right. You feel like you can always swim to it, whether you want to be swimming with a shark. You still feel that that presence, and you know and that was one of the things that he stuck with in his guns, and and you know, watching some of the behind the scenes stuff of of Spielberg at this early age. I mean, he was 26 years old at this time, watching his composure. <laughs> Uh, was amazing to watch because you could see why people had faith in him and his confidence as well as his understanding of what was going on to be able to pull these things off. And, you know, some of the things that probably were failures because they couldn't film turned out to be successes on this story because they were able to work with the actors and, and that, that core of the three guys together just they gelled together and i mean you know you could just see that even if they didn't like each other the chemistry on set was phenomenal you mm-hmm. know absolutely and one of the to me one of the uh, patrick was talking about that great shot when he's on the uh, end of the boat uh the front of the boat i should say but mm-hmm. there's the scene that's for me that's really um uh, poignant in the movie where the shark has just been causing all this havoc and all of a sudden um they're at peace and then Quint picks up Hooper's 
you know, the drugs that he was going to shoot the shark with and kill him. To me, at that point, he's this 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 brave, strong, tough, you know, sea captain is finally admitting defeat because now he's turning to Hooper, who he couldn't stand, and he says, "You can kill him with this." And he goes, "You're going to get this little needle into, you know, his skin." And he's like, "No, I can't do that." But then if I go into this cage, and then Brody says, "Yo, rip that apart!" He goes, "You got any better ideas?" And all of a sudden, you see the next shot is Brody standing there, and you think they're going to keep going, and all of a sudden the cage comes up like this, and they're putting the cage together. That to me is one of the greatest moments on the on the, the 45 minutes on that boat. That's one of the greatest scenes and shots to me. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a that scene is is really interesting as well as when they were doing some of the stuff in Australia with the actual great whites and they built a small to make the um the you know 20 foot or, or 18 foot uh great whites look like they were 25 foot they had to have a smaller uh scale um cage so they found a little short small guy and Yes, <laughs> and they and they basically you know had him in the cage. Well, before they got him into the cage, they put it in and and they had all this bait around it. And one of the sharks actually got tangled up and actually took the full cage to the bottom of the ocean. So had the guy been in it, he would have died. And you know it just shows you that you know the power of like how true this story is in real life of what how it kind of played out. So. You know, it's it it's really one of those things where this film is, um, a, to to take a, a quote from another person, a friend of mine, uh, he, good horror fleck reflects the time we live in. You know, um, and that's from Scott Kozar. He, this film is like that. I mean, it is so even right now, it reflects to what's going on today and what's going on with all the political aspects of life you know the the fact of the the mayor saying don't get in the water you know everybody it's okay if you get in the water it, this film is like that it is still prevalent today and has a meaning that kind of impacts what's going on oh it absolutely holds up it is current it is on point yeah. even mm-hmm. the looks have almost come full circle for it <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not wearing one of those outfits that Murray Hamilton wore. I'm sorry. You have you one. I've seen it. it. With the anchors on it on the on the sports jacket. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but Ken, oh, go ahead. Uh huh. Just to add on to what you were saying about the cage, and, and uh, they were supposed to kill Hooper. He was supposed to die right. in that cage. Right. And he then in the book, because, right? Yeah. Right. And because that, that footage uh, was so powerful from Australia, that shark actually caused Spielberg and Gottlieb to rewrite it, and that's why he escapes and goes down to the bottom. And I think that's that makes the story so much better because, you know, the, the sight of both of them going in together shows humanity, you know, and it shows, you know, th- this is like, you know, one of those stories that is like older stories. It's not, you know, it's like a man in the sea and, and, or, you know, Moby Dick, you know, it's that same, you know, men <laughs> against nature, you know, kind of thing in the ocean. And I think it fits perfect for this, you know, and that's the fun part about the stories. There's, it's just, it's really, really well done all the way through. And the changes like that 
add to the story. Gentlemen, gentlemen, the officer asked me to tell you that you're overloading that boat. Oh, my God. Then can you tell me if there's a good restaurant or hotel on the island? Yeah, you walk straight ahead. (laughs) (laughs) They're all going to die. So this film is definitely still current, and there's so much, you know, impact of it to how it could relate to now. What what are some things that made you guys think about when you were watching this film that said, hey, you know, this is like, you know, 2020? The fucking mayor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'll uh, just say it. Yeah. <laughs> but who does the mayor there. remind you of? Who does he remind you of? <laughs> <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Anyone, anyone in any position of power anywhere. A number, a number of the uh, politicians of a certain party that are like, get them back to school. I don't yeah. think that they're fine. Ah, yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then also, even in the town hall, you had the business owners that were, wanted to keep everything open because their business would suffer without the summer exactly. beachgoers. Summer dollars. Yeah. And in the book, it, 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 to, to jump on what Laura said, um, in the book, uh, the mayor is, is in, in bed with the mafia, so there's a lot of money at stake. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my. So, which, which they oh, took that's out right. Of the film. That's right. Yeah, which they took out of the film. So, you know, the mayor was like skimming a little off the top for himself. So obviously he wanted everything open so he could keep making that money. So to jump on what you were saying, like, who oh. does that remind you of? Absolutely. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> I'm kind of glad they left the mafia factor out of the movie. because I am, too. There's a yeah. lot of things from the book that I, I, you know, after seeing the film, I was only nine when I saw the film, like I said. So uh, and then reading the book later, I actually enjoyed the movie more than the book. Mm-hmm. That's a rare movie. I saw the movie, yeah. and then when I was in my 20s, I read the book. Um, and uh, and I it the book is definitely very detailed and very, but I think the film is just, I don't know, for me, it just works so much better. I yeah, love it much, that three uh, of us three of us saw it when we were like 9, 10 years old, and it <laughs> has had an effect on us for, you know, 40-some-odd years. Yeah, it's like, like psycho for showers. That's, that's what well, that's John right. did for the beach. Yes. <laughs> we got a souvenir cup when we went for our drinks with Jaws on it. And I swear that was in my family for years, this Jaws plastic cup. Oh, wow. <laughs> the first time I had seen something like that at a movie theater where they gave you a commemorative little thing to take home. Do you still have it? No, I, I don't know whatever happened to it. I, Damn. It did disappear. I like what Spielberg did with like the characters, especially um, Cooper. And it, like going back to the book, uh, he was supposed to have an affair with um, yes. Ellen Brody. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and the, the Brody's marriage is on the rocks a little bit. And then Hooper, Hooper was this tall, good looking blonde guy. Yeah. And originally, <laughs> originally if they, they would have shot it like that, they were talking about Jan Michael Vincent. But oh. that, that was not Stephen's vision, and he kept trying to get Richard to, to, to um, do the movie. He kept turning him down. And then after, to go back what Kent said about the movie that he did, uh, Duddy Kravitz, The Apprenticeship yes. of Duddy Kravitz, he thought he was so bad in it that he says, oh, man, I better take this job. That's how worried Dreyfus was, and that's why he said, okay, I'll do, I'll do it. 
But because yeah, he didn't he think he would ever in, get another job after that exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah, he was right. so nervous about it. So when he finally went in to meet Zanuck and Brown, the producers, and to meet Spielberg, he actually walked in like he looked like Matt Hooper. You know, his hair was all frazzled. He's got his denim jacket on. You know, he was not a care in the world. And they said, that's it. Do not change anything. That's what we're looking for. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad they got rid of the whole affair thing and the troubled yeah. marriage and stuff. I think it would have just bogged it down. Yeah, and I love uh, the, the Brodies. Too much. I love the uh, Brodies and their marriage, and that would have really upset me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that would have also would have changed the dynamics of how you looked at Brody. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, if, if his wife's having an affair, you're, there's going to be that certain break on a lot of things of how people perceive him, you know, and, and right. not, it doesn't make him more uh, humanizing. Um, it maybe does the opposite, right. so. And yeah, I like that they're Stephen wanted. Right. He yeah. wanted to all the characters to be humanized. He wanted to be liked. And even even towards the, the very end, you started to when Quint started giving in, you started to, you know, like Quint and you didn't want to see him hurt. In yeah. the beginning he was such a jerk. But everybody was so humanized at the end because now we're fighting one villain and that's it. Right. And that's and, why that and scene him. was so important, the, the, the drinking scene. The US uh, Indianapolis the Indianapolis right. scene. Right. Because Great. that's Great. when all of a sudden you went Oh wow, Quintus been through a lot of shit, and he was uh, he, he I don't know, he was enjoyable during that. He was singing along with them and stuff after his Indiana- yeah. Indianapolis thing, and you're like, ah, oh, these guys, and then of course the shark ruins it, but you know, yeah, like sharks do. I know. <laughs> but I think I think Hooper kind of wraps that whole scene up when he says the broken heart when they're comparing the scars. Yeah, and he talks about his heart, and you're like, oh no. It's just a fun time. They're just that was oh, so Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke yes. my heart. <laughs> and if you listen to that scene, when he pulls down his shirt, and you hear, you hear Brody in the back and say, you're wearing a sweater. Because yeah. he was so hairy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. That whole scene is like, an uh, I think of as a, an acting master class because it's so, I don't know anyone who could watch that scene and not be fully engaged with all three of the characters in it even right. when the chief looks down at his appendix scar yeah because he wants to be involved and yeah. just kind of thinks better of it yeah and it's just so each one of the characters gets to shine and uh it's amazing it's one of the best scenes i think in in cinema yep. yeah mm-hmm. it is and they had us they had to shoot it twice now, i don't know if you know this but the first time they're ready to shoot that scene uh shaw a known drinker um, went to Steven and said, hey, um, do you mind if I drink during the scene? I think it would really help me. Uh, and, you know, Steven, 26 years old, second film. Yeah, sure, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> and it was a total disaster. And yeah. he actually called him the next day and he said, how, how bad did I humiliate myself and everybody? And he's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. He goes, well, I'm going to do it today and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right. And he came back and um, they said that some of the scenes actually from, from when he was drunk were so good that they had to, you know, piece it together with sometimes you see his eyes are glassy. That was mm-hmm. day one. Yeah. When they weren't glassy, that was day two. That's great. That is great. Well, and, you know, and that's the thing. If you wanted to feel real, you wanted to feel real. alcoholics really yeah. pulling it in. <laughs> well, he definitely, what? you know, you think about this guy. He, you know, he died at age 51, which was, you know, know. way oh. what, what we would have seen 
in him and you know future projects and movies and and such but uh, what a talent and, and and a great writer too also so yeah. um and he actually he uh he's the one that really made that scene because uh the writer had actually wrote something that was like a 15 minute monologue and he said look i i can't i can't do this it's kind of like it's crazy there's no way he's like do you mind if i take it and go back and kind of write it into something and that's how it came down to the the part that it actually turned out to be um and that's that's a lot of you know kahunas to to spielberg because he was willing to do that and try it and it turned out that that was what worked you know the best um the other thing that he uh, spielberg did in a lot and um is that i understood that there was a lot of improv you know improv uh throughout the script too so he was like willing to allow that, which was at that time nobody was doing that. It was pretty much you know you went by the script, you know, if you didn't jump off of it too much, you know, and maybe in some of the comedy stuff, but you know, in things that were a little more serious, you were you were kind of staying. And I think that made the the part some of these improv lines so great. Like you know, Quint had his his lines of improving on the boat when he was. Uh, and they were all getting on the boat for the first time, you know, and that. that oh, he's badgering uh, Ellen. <laughs> yes. Ellen Brody. Yes. Well, plus everybody's favorite line from Jaws is apparently yeah. an ad lib. Yeah. The Brody, you're going to need a bigger boat. Right. Right. In a, in a way. And I'll tell you something right now. I actually spoke to Mr. Scheider about that. <gasps> oh, uh, jealous. I did. He did an episode of Criminal Intent. Mm-hmm. And I actually spoke to him about that line. And. What it, what happened was they had a, a barge, and they call it the SS uh, Garbage Pail or something <laughs> like that. And that's where all the crew, all the equipment, everything was was thrown on this barge. It was like over overloaded with stuff. And, and um, you know, Carl Gottlieb, the writer, said that, you know, the, the producers were so cheap. You know, they kept saying, we need a bigger boat. We need a bigger boat. So <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was Gottlieb that said, we need a bigger boat. We need a bigger boat. And then Roy tried to pick that up and used it throughout the film. And the only time that was really perfect was when he's chumming and the shark comes up. And that was just brilliant. But he used it like he said he used it about, you know, five or six times throughout the film. And, that's and he the does. One that he I noticed that he does. <laughs> From that point on, he does mention it a few times. Uh, yep. But that first the first time he says it after uh, Bruce jumps out and pretty much scares the shit out of Brody. Brilliant. Brilliant, Brilliant. placement for that line. Uh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, You're right there. Just, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, first of all, it brings back fond memories of being a kid and being uh, movies like this and the Poseidon adventure are what sucked me into, into acting and film. I just, uh, Oh God, we have to add Poseidon adventure to our list, but give it a little Oh time. yeah. Uh, because these are just movies where the characters are amazing in it and, and the what they're going through is maybe not believable by reality standards, but man, did we, they sold it and we bought it. We just went, this is. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. Yeah, just amazing, <laughs> amazing uh, movie experiences where now I don't know that movies always uh, really pull you in the same way. Well, I don't think there's the, the captivation of the characters, you don't care about most of the characters. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, uh, I think Spielberg is really good at, you know, and, and let's talk about this too, because, you know, 
this film was nominated for best film and uh, quite a few other awards. Actually, I don't. Uh, Squeaker might have all those things that he that was nominated for Academy, but the one thing that it wasn't was uh, best director. Which is when you look back on this, it's really hard to think that this film was not you know included in that um, because to me, and this is something I think that Spielberg. As good as he is, a lot of times he gets these, he doesn't get these big, you know, kind of directoral type things of, you know, with exception of a few movies that he's done that were kind of like marquee and they felt like they had to give it to him. But you don't think about him as being this, the greatest director, you know, out there. But what I think is different, and a lot of people think, a great director is so good that you don't notice the film, you just see the film, it says story. And that's when he's not trying to get in front of things. And I think guys like him and Fincher, David Fincher is the same way. He doesn't try to give you these crazy moves and shots. He's, he only moves the camera when he needs to move it and make it happen. So, you know, that, that gives you a completely different feel for this film. And he, he makes each one of his characters believable. And is and think about it. Is there anyone in this film that you don't think you know believe that that's who their character was? No, no, they're no. absolutely all convincing. <laughs> down all right, down the to one the beach character, people. The one character I didn't believe is when they caught the faux shark, the first shark, the idiots, and somebody a Hooper says some line, and I can't remember what the exact line is. Like it's a, a tiger, tiger shark, shark. Oh, and yeah. the guy goes. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> he was the only one yeah. in that entire movie that I went, oh, dude, you phoned that in. You don't know. What the hell? Well, yeah. he wasn't an actor. A lot of those people. Go back to vaudeville. A lot of those people <laughs> were not actors. They were actual local people that lived there. Yeah. And that explains Spielberg, the sea captain looking guy who comes out with the pipe. And he like looks to his right, yes. looks to his left, and then he waddles over to the bench while uh, – I think the uh, Brody and the politicians are walking by or something like right. that. It's just he's very like, creepy in a David a Lynchian sort of way. He yes. is, and I, I love him, but you can tell this guy might not know where he is or what he's doing. <laughs> but uh, I think that added but to I'm the okay with that. Yeah, it added to the feel of you believing the city and the you know oh definitely you know Martha's Vineyard meeting, you know uh, in the in the town hall meeting that one woman with the glasses I keep thinking her name would be something like uh, you know Edna or something like that Estelle like, or something yes she's just so she's that bitch that you just believe when you yeah. see her and even oh, in that scene yeah. uh, something that I love that I've only noticed the last few times watching it when Quint does the fingernails down and they're doing reaction shots to people they go to Harry. That's a bad hat, Harry. Uh, yep. Yeah. He he looks like he's on the board with them sitting up at the table, and he almost looks like he's smiling when Quint does it, and it's a a split second. But I'm like, I love you, Harry. Yeah, love you, Harry. <laughs> I never noticed the guy that follows Quint out with the orange hat. He's in a few other scenes. He was actually cut out of a couple of scenes. That they like actually funky. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a local. He was a local. Uh, um, I don't know, celebrity in a sense, not a celebrity, but <laughs> but a local fisherman, um, right. and it was you know brought on, and they you know, but they did cut him out of. Uh, they had a couple of scenes that were going to be just him, and I, I watched them, and they were so. <laughs> he was awful. He was terrible. When he said, I, I, "I'm leaving you, Mister Quinn," or "I'm quitting," or whatever he said, and that was one of the deleted scenes. He was so bad. 
just to say those few lines, I'm leaving, I'm quitting. Oh, it was awful. It was terrible. It was oh, like okay, watching good, the worst, good, the, because, uh, worst because master when follows, class. <laughs> when he follows Quint out of the town hall meeting, I didn't even believe that, and all he was doing was walking. <laughs> yeah. I was like... Well, they, you notice they did a, a more of a close-up of the dog than him, so it was... Uh... <laughs> well, the dog could act. <laughs> Yeah, and the writer, the writer was in the script. The writer was in the film, Colin Gottlieb. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. Peter Benchley yeah. also was in the film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Peter Benchley was in it, and the writer, Carl Gottlieb. Uh, Carl Gottlieb played Meadows, the um, the newspaper publisher. He's like, guys, can we get a picture, please? Come on, can we mm-hmm. get a picture with the shark? Oh, yeah, with the... Yeah. You know, that... And that was a real shark, by the way. You know, the one that was hanging. They actually paid $10,000 to bring that in from Orlando. So they flew it up on, um, to, to have it. Cause when I was watching it, I was like, God, that looks so real. Like, I mean, you know, but then I was like, no, it's not a real shark. And then, so then when I started doing a little research and I found that, I was like, oh, it was a real shark. Pretty amazing. Cause you know, you, you compare it to the other shark. And you know it, it. It was. It looked real, but didn't look yeah. super real. Because you know, there's times when you watch this film. Even now, you watch the shark, and it's not really the best shark. You know, it's. Yeah. But it still works. You believe it. You know. I'm glad and, it's not CG though. Well, that's oh. the thing. You know, and, and I think maybe that's why because it was a you know, more of a practical. You know, and mm. they had so many issues with it, but they shot it in a way that it worked. You know, and oh yeah, you yeah. believe it. So. And you mix enough of the real sharks in there to make it feel, you know, real, you know, so. Yeah, I never doubted it for a minute. My 10-year-old self. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great white, Larry. A big one. And any shark expert in the world will tell you it's a killer. It's a man-eater. Look, the situation is that apparently a great white shark has staked a claim in the waters off Amity Island. And he is going to continue to feed here as long as there is food in the water. And there's no limit to what he's going to do. I mean, we've already had three incidents. Two people killed inside of a week, and it's going to happen again. It happened before. The Jersey Beach. 1916, there were five people people chewed up in the surf. In one week. Tell them about the swimmers. A shark is attracted to the exact kind of splashing and activity that occurs whenever human beings go in swimming. You cannot avoid it. If you open the beaches on the 4th of July, it's like ringing the dinner bell, for Christ's sake. Look, sakes. Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. It was Ben Gardner's boat. It was all chewed up. I helped tow it in. You should, you should have seen him. Where, where is that tooth? Did you see it, Brody? No, I didn't see it. He, he dropped it. Yet. I had an accident. Way in. And what did you say the name of this shark is? It's a carcaridin carcarius. It's a great white. You, you don't have the tooth. Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have a summer. Unless you're dealing with finished. this problem, we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. I mean, we're going to have to tell the Coast Guard. Mr. Vaughn, you have to contact the shark research panel. We're going to have to bring because you have to ruin the world is going to come in here. I don't think one of you are familiar with our problems. I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Well, this film has got a lot of controversy around it, too. So, or let's, uh, Laura, why don't you tell us about some of the things that you've dug up on this? Okay, so about three weeks ago, uh, Ben Dreyfus, uh, the son of Richard Dreyfus, who plays Matt Hooper. Is it Matt? Is it Matt? Okay. Um, he's <laughs> he said that 
Uh, in the movie, Ben Gardner, uh, who is um, supposedly killed by Jaws, is really killed by Quint because he is a rival fisherman. He doesn't really give a whole lot of explanation as to the motivation of the whole thing. But um, watching it today, I noticed that the holes in Ben Gardner's boat are small and Jaws's mouth is really, really big. Um, and Ben Gardner's head pops out of a little tiny hole in the boat. The boat is still kind of afloat. So, I don't know. There might be some merit to an investigation of a thing. I'm just saying. Well, it could be also that, you know, because Steven Spielberg paid for the, uh, the you know, the head popping out in the, of the boat. He just didn't have that much money to make it look bigger. <laughs> no. and I think you're I think it was like $3,000 or something. You're neglecting the point that sometimes you could get really big things through small holes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, Squeaker? Come on, am I right? Are we talking about Patrick, are we talking about Patrick's head? Is that a- I think that conspiracy like I've had it with conspiracy theories. I think that's the that's up there with the other bad conspiracy theory. I, no, Ben Gardner got killed by the shark. Okay. Quint is not a bad man. He's just changed from the Indianapolis. Like I, I don't want to th- think that Quint all of a sudden is this, you know He's not a murderer. Uh, no, yeah, but also damaged. like also, did you see Ben Gardner's boat? It was like not a very big boat. No. It was. So I would not go dinghy. out on the ocean with that boat. I'm sorry. It was a dinghy. Uh, yeah. It was not even a boat. Yeah, a dinghy. That's right. <laughs> get, it was a get dinghy. Get Ben Dreyfus on the show. Come on. The yeah, hell? let's call him up well, right now. But doesn't he pull? When... He pulls with the great white tooth out of the shot, out of the as a hole of boat, right? Does yes. and he, he does, does actually does. have. Yes. So yeah. So you knew that that was the part, but, um, you know, here's the other thing, you know, I mean, obviously Hooper couldn't hold on to anything. He dropped, the, <laughs> he dropped, the, yep. he dropped the shark's tooth. He dropped his, you know, gun when he needed it in the mm-hmm. water. I mean, obviously he couldn't hold on to anything. So he's very nervous. Right. He's, he's very, very nervous. nervous. Dude couldn't even spit in his mask. Come on. He is ineffective. <laughs> Well, that's probably because he was seasick for so much, you know, being out there on the water, you know. He's about to go out on a, what, a seven-month expedition or something, wasn't he? On the Aurora. (laughs) On the Aurora. And you're telling me he doesn't like to be at sea? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If Quint wasn't a bad guy, why did he smash up that radio? Because he was... He was more of a Captain (laughs) Ahab-y type of guy until we get that monologue dropped on us, really. But... uh, because he wants it's ten thousand dollars for one thing, right? Right. Right. And this is his this would be his he would be Quint, the man who caught a twenty five foot great white shark. And I think that's more important than like calling other people in to help. Oh no, no. Yeah, he didn't want to share that. And I don't no. even think it was about the money for him. I think it was more like the revenge of killing that's a shark that killed seven hundred of his uh, you know, friends on a boat you know so right that, yeah. I think that that you know that that whole story tying back really works with this uh you know screenplay mm-hmm. so vendetta vendetta um so Carl, i think you had some point. things about like you know talking about you know when people died and all that stuff well yeah and real quick let me ask you this patrick in death yes, did quint did quint get his wish do you think they went back to the shore and was like and like talked up what quint did to oh no i think he got eaten 
there's no, I don't know how uh, Brody could spin that. Like, and Quint bravely threw his body into the shark's mouth to stop to save it. us it's all. Just, yeah, it's like Brody. <laughs> it's one of those hubris type of things. Uh, he was so blind and wanted to just have that that shark trophy. Tell the taxidermist, see what I brought him. Uh, yeah. Type of thing that he was very excited about. That. He was very blinded by his his obsession with it, and I don't know. It w- I think it would be more of a cautionary tale than ah, uh, the great Quint screamed like a girl getting <laughs> by a shark. <laughs> oh, and that last would finally go silent, and his bo- his lifeless body just sli- slides with the shark into the water. Oh, God. Mm. Amazing. It's amazing. And the blood squirts coming out of his mouth, which yeah. is like, because at first you see the blood in his mouth. And then when he gets crunched, you see that little <laughs> shoot. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a, it, I want to die in something like that. <laughs> but I, I don't scream. I'm not a good screamer. So I don't know if I'll ever get that chance. Yeah. It won't work the same way if you go <laughs> at that point, you know. Oh, fuck, you can't. <laughs> You can hire me to pinch you, yeah. Patrick. Yeah. I'll pinch you. And yeah. You'll scream real good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pinch with a twist. You're going to hate it. Yeah, yeah Kate, we'll you brought it up um, <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, not very many deaths, and Quint's actually only the fifth um, in the whole movie, other than Pippet. Pippet. Let's hope that Pippet just ran, ran off and... <laughs> Now, are we sure the guy who the guy in the pond or, or whatever in the that lost his leg did he die, or did he just? I lose his oh, I think he died. Yeah, 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 he died. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was just That's horrified seeing bed. his leg floating in the water. I, I didn't really think before. I'm like, well, or the guy that was on the little boat you're talking about. Yeah, he, he Why was like his boat so small? Well, he was in the pond, I guess. He was in a pond. Yeah, he was in the... Yeah. And originally... It like a toy boat. <laughs> originally, I think that it was supposed to be that he was, uh, as he was in the mouth of... Uh, the shark was in, you know, had his mouth on him. He was going to grab the boy in the water. And that was oh. a scene that was deleted. <gasps> yeah. So that was one of the... They, I just got they, they That was one of the scenes that was mm. shot. Um, and it, it's actually made the a cover of one of the posters... Um, was that shot? And so, oh, wow. yeah. So there was. He was gonna grab what boy? What the, the boys that were around? Brody, him? the Brody boy, Michael. Mm-hmm. Michael, Michael? Oh. yeah, yeah. And that was oh. gonna be the thing, as he was gonna be, and then at, just as he was getting ready to go underwater, he would push him away. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Can but, we talk about for one minute uh, how worthless Sean Brody, the youngest Brody, would be if it weren't for that scene at the dining room table? Yes. Because the rest of the time, he's just like, you know, the cupcake boy. You know the muffin man. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, dude, you are worthless in this movie. <laughs> he's, he's there just to be cute. And he's not Except that for that thing <laughs> at that, the dinner table. It's and, great. And yes, that was yeah. an ad lib scene right there that uh, was not scheduled. And, um, <laughs> and it was Brody so actually, or, or uh, you know, his real name. Um, Shida. Boy, Shida. Shida was actually... Said, hey, went to Stephen and said, "Watch this, watch this." And so they they met, he started mimicking everything he was doing, and so they they shot it, you know, and that just worked. And I think that's some of the things too that you get because you're you're trying to kill time because your 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 villain is not working, you know. Um, you know, <laughs> I think one of the funny thing is that 
and that's when you hear any of these interviews with them, they kept saying that on the intercom, they were always, um, you'd hear, this was like one of the first films that a lot of these guys talked about having walkie-talkies where they were communicating between them. And they kept saying, the shark's not working. The shark's not working. Sorry, the shark's not working. You know, and, and people were hearing it and they were, you know, people were picking these up on different, you know, other things. And they're like, the town people were saying, the shark's not working. The shark's not working. So, uh, you know, is when, that good gossip on, in Martha's Vineyard? Well, I think it was something, you know, people Don't were. Don't tell anyone. It was, the it, shark's not working. That was, I think, the first film to ever film there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, I don't know. Probably. It yeah. Very well could be. So, At the time, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. now there's been some since then. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think because of the movie also, didn't their tourism go up crazy? Like, like triple. Oh yeah, and I think people I would still think go it's there. It's beautiful there, yeah. 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 Except for I have the a question. Shark. Sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think? How do you think that the picture would have turned out if uh, Spielberg got his original casting ideas? Now we already spoke about Jan Michael Vincent, mm-hmm. and that would have totally, you know, we all agree that we had to be Dreyfus because it, it just yeah. changed the whole uh, uh, part. But uh, originally, um, his his thought for Brody was Charlton Heston, which the the producers and everybody turned down because they they, they figured, I agree, that he would have been bigger than the shark. Yep. Yeah. And I you think know? he's Moses for God's sake. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He could just park the waters and there's the shark yeah. flopping around. Him. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thinking was exactly. that they wanted if, if you would have saw they, they said if you would have saw Charlton Heston, then you would have known, okay, that's the hero. And but Brody right. was so an, an unsuspected hero that you know they go with Roy Scheider. And as far as as Quint, now I thought this was very interesting casting. They reached out to two people. Uh, um, the first one was Lee Marvin, mm-hmm. who turned oh, him wow. down because he was actually he was actually fishing. And he's like, I'm fishing. I don't want to do a movie about fishing. I'm right. fishing. Leave me alone. <laughs> he turned him down. And the other person I thought was really interesting, um, and he turned him down because of tax reasons was Sterling Hayden, who we all know from The Godfather, the, oh, wow. the, the, the police sergeant who, who hits uh, uh, Pacino in the face in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. And those, and I think, now those are very interesting choices, and I think any of those, any any three of those could have worked. I mean, Shaw was brilliant, but you think about Hayden and, and Lee Marvin, why not? Lee Marvin, that's a good interesting feel, choice kent and i had this conversation about a few different movies like i like my horror movies when I'm, I'm more of a believer in what's going on if i don't see some iconic actor totally in the role yeah. and, and in this movie yep. at you know at that time i don't think we even had hbo so i hadn't seen american graffiti yet or whatever dreyfus was in before and right. uh i hadn't seen uh, french connection because i was 10 uh, <laughs> that was another thing is French Connection 2 was coming out right around Jaws time too so um, you know there's things like that that were happening that changed mm-hmm. you know how you cast things too um, you probably didn't see this thing because the thing that's why Zanuck and Brown suggested let's get Robert Shaw and right. we're what nine ten years old so we probably didn't even see this thing right no we had the album uh, at home like the soundtrack i think my parents had it next to their herb right. albert albums or something mm-hmm. and, uh, i didn't see I it until a few years later i still haven't seen it oh it's a great movie i know robert shaw oh, wow. from this and from uh force 10 from navarone where which he was wonderful really okay and a, and a james bond movie uh 
Yes, he was a villain in James Bond. Yes. yes, and I can't remember. Right. I get them all confused. Me too. But you never yeah. saw the thing, huh? I never saw the thing. And uh, oh, it's do I need so to? fun! Yes, yes absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Oh, it's amazing. It. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It still holds up really it. well too. Especially to if you if you like a, a good con movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So and good. I do. I yeah. do. I do. All right. The sting. The sting. Mm-hmm. You want to drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. Okay. So we drink to our legs. <laughs> <laughs> I got the creme de la creme. Right here. Hold on. Hey, you see that? You're wearing a sweater. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. <laughs> What's that one? What? That one there, on your arm. Oh, it's a tattoo. I got that removed. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Mother. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> Toba, that's the USS Indianapolis. You were on the Indianapolis? What happened? Japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side chief. He was coming back. The island of Tinian the Lady just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. Eleven hundred men went into the water. Vessel went down in twelve minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, thirteen footer. You know, you know that when you're in the water, Chief. You tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. Well, we didn't know. But our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. <laughs> they didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's... Kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo. And the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming. Sometimes the shark go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you and those black eyes roll over white and then, oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. Jaws. It was the first summer blockbuster. Um, Squeaker, tell us a little bit about, you know, why this was uh, so, you know, the first one. You know, tell us some reasons. I mean, I guess it was 
I guess it was the first one because it it was made first. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't have a great explanation for that. Uh, Our well, research it is widely regarded is as the notch. first. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, basically, because it's the made. first. Well, it was in the summer. It basically, and, uh, at, the, at this time of year, they would they would never put out something big. You know, it was always around Christmas or Thanksgiving. Well, this was vacation at time. time of the right. year, and uh, uh, people flocked to where the beaches and right. uh, to vacation spots. And usually, I think around Christmas time was your, uh, you know, the kids were usually out of school for two weeks, and uh, you know, a lot of times uh, people working would have time off. And I think that was more of a time where people would try to release stuff around. They still do try to release Christmas stuff, but this was the advent of the summer blockbuster, and it made sense because it takes place at the beach, right? And on June twentieth, they uh, opened across North American uh, screens with uh, four hundred and sixty-four screens, and um, that's not much by today's standards. No, well, no, but they, they doubled it. Oh, they went to like seven to seven fifty. Right, they started right. out that way, and right. then then it became a situation where they used it as a marketing tool. This was a not only was this the first blockbuster film, this was also about the Some. first advertising. Uh, summer, you know, blockbuster, but like yeah. advertising that went behind this. I mean, they they really they, did, spend? they they spent a lot of money on this, like uh, a million something like that. Uh, you know, because for that time, that would be a lot of of dough. I think uh, it was it was up there, and, and I'll look it up mm-hmm. while we're you know we're trying to talk here. I've got it somewhere here, but it was uh, you know all this was about and. And, and I just remember watching the commercials for it, you know, and you were just like, wow, like this is going to be something else, you know. Uh, and this was the first thing that ever came out like that where in the summer they were doing it. So, you know, and it, it, it one of the things that there was a big marketing genius behind this uh, of making this happen. Um, what kind of numbers do you have on this uh, uh, squeaker? Uh, well, to date... Um, adjusted for inflation, Jaws has made one point one five billion. This was as of last year. Total flop. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that's what's interesting. You say why is it the first, and it, it's the first because it worked. Really, if it hadn't worked, then maybe future movies don't don't release them in the summer. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that the the, uh, the Omen would have been a a hit <laughs> by itself the next year if no one was expecting a big blockbuster during the summer just so the listeners know we're looking at a list of uh year by year of summer blockbusters and really it looks like jaws is the only beach oriented one on the list uh yeah which Mm -hmm. kicked it in because then you start getting into more uh just i mean the omen and then star wars so of course star wars and its uh predecessors are all on the list and et get a little more spielberg action there. there was a beach in top gun there was, there, yes, Squeaker, there was a beach. I think there was a beach in part of Jurassic Park, or maybe just sand. Or it might have been that, Triceratops dung. I don't know. <laughs> and, and going back to this, uh, Universal, you know, this, it's funny because horror films have, you know, is what saved Universal uh, way mm-hmm. back in the days, uh, and back in the 20s uh, or 30s, uh, early 30s, because it right after the Depression. Uh, with movies like Frankenstein and uh, Dracula, the that, Mummy. yeah, those were the kind of the films that that basically you know got them through the the mix of it. And here's Jaws comes out in the summer, 
Universal spent $1.8 million marketing Jaws. Um, uh, Say that number again. $1.8 million. Um, that's some money. That's yeah, money. that's some yeah. money. In 1975? Yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that was part of the hype. So they, you know, they had what they had expenses in it, plus that into it. But, you know, I'd do that. And I don't know about you guys, but if I could get $1.15 billion out of this, I think I would spend that kind of money on it and make it happen. So, uh, maybe. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I have to think it over. Yeah. I don't know. This is, all, this is also a time before um, multiplex theaters. So this is a time when people are literally around the right. block more than right. once waiting on lines to Okay, we're, we're sold out. You guys got to go home. Now right. you got a theater. With, they show it like you know in three or four theaters at the multiplex. So mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And also, your ticket prices were you know not even close to what they are now. So can, it could have been you know ten times that uh, you know right. if you get the prices now. So um, pretty impressive, Laura. I know um, the other the other people on here actually saw Jaws in the theater. Do you remember uh, which summer blockbuster was the first one you saw? Hmm. Lion King. It, it probably was <laughs> E.T. I think I vaguely remember going to see E.T. If not E.T., it was <clears throat> Ghostbusters. I think mine was wow. Batman. In the 80s. <laughs> Are you serious, Squeaker? So 89 is the first time you saw a summer blockbuster? Yeah, I mean, I would have been six years old then. That, that, that lines up about right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Here yeah, I would have been about five at ET. So yeah, we were. Uh, I was traumatized by ET, and you you could have been traumatized by Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You would have been five. That would have been seriously traumatizing. I for you. saw that for sure. I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but I definitely saw that movie as a kid. Terrifying for children. Movie. I liked that movie, but boy, it just it has not. Um, it didn't. Who was it for? And that was Who the was whole, it marketed <laughs> to? That was the biggest problem with that. People on acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how I felt watching the movie. I went, what the is going on? Yeah, I got along I'm... much more with like the Omen and stuff like that. Totally. Like, totally could get behind that. Oh, yeah. right, if, we take, if we take Jaws out of it, do you have a favorite summer movie? Back to the Future. Man. Yeah. For me, it was Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future is so good. This I'm going to have to go me. Ghostbusters. You guys are going to beat me up, but for me, it would be between Terminator 2 and Independence Day. Mm. Oh, I love those. <laughs> Terminator 2, we waited three hours in line outside the theater to get tickets to see it. Wow. And that's 91. But uh, we waited forever and loved it. So, of course, oh, we went so back. Good. But Independence Day just screams summer blockbuster to me. Yeah, totally. like Independence yeah. Day too. E.T. was for me. E.T. was the one because um, you know it was the mm-hmm. first kind of like I don't know extraterrestrial type, like realistic kind of film that I saw in the theater, and you know it just was believable and it had the humor to it, and you know it just had a good feeling to it. Uh, so it's the last movie my parents saw in an, a physical theater. Wow. Wow. Was E.T. They stopped going to movies after that. They used to take us all the time to see stuff. I think on this list. They didn't want to buy any more M&Ms for you, did they? Pro- no, hell no. <laughs> the, uh, they the bought you Reese's. that Jaws cup, and yeah, they were yeah. like, nah, fuck you, Patrick. That's <laughs> they bought it. that Jaws cup yeah. like seven years earlier, and we're like, you still owe us? 
99 you cut cents. off. <laughs> but it's funny because the summer blockbusters, the whole list, I could, I could understand a lot of them until you start getting to, to like around Batman Forever or, or Spider-Man 3. Uh, <laughs> then you start going, well, all right, I guess there's nothing else going on that. That's right. Then, the, yeah, then that, you get the Marvel movies coming back in the in the twenty, what twenty twelve, with the Avengers and stuff, and they yeah. kind of that's when I was revitalized towards uh, the summer blockbusters, Wonder Woman. Oh, well, that was so good. So so let's talk and get back to to Jaws and and is there anything else you guys want to talk about on this film? Because, Oh yeah. You know, there's a lot of things I think we missed of like, you know, even the editing processes in this film are just phenomenal. Uh, you know, the, the scene where at the beach, you know, where to me is still one of my favorite scenes in the, in this movie is when Brody's on the beach and the shark, you know, first it's the guy with the, uh, I can't think of his name, but the hat comes slightly, you know, swimming. Harry. 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 And, That's uh, one yeah. bad hat, Harry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that whole <laughs> scene is just so phenomenal in the way it was edited. And Oh, that um, shot when mm-hmm. the Kintner boy gets killed. What is that called? Where it was on Brody and it 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 looked like the focus racked in. On, or, yeah, focus it's a, pull. It, yeah. Zooms in too. Zoom yeah, it's a, yes, it's a it's a zoom um, on that that shot, and it's kind of a Hitchcock. It's a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. It's yeah. basically. I thought that was the most amazing uh, mm-hmm. shot I had seen. It's so it's great. This film has a lot of that kind of stuff in it. it you know, the Hitchcock. Uh, there's also you don't notice it, but this was um, shot anamorphically, so they also used a lot of split screen um, diopters. So. Your focus is um, by doing that. You actually have one part of the lens is in focus for far distance, whereas the other one is in for closer. And then, of course, you position the lens where the break is, so it cuts into a you know a window or a door or something like that. But it gives you this really unique look, and and they use it throughout the film in, in quite a few spots, um, and it just adds that completely different look than your natural eye sees so there's a lot of things like that that are throughout this movie that are you know yeah so unique to this and it wasn't unique completely but they used them so well that it makes you become involved in the story more so and i and i think that's you know for a young filmmaker i mean this guy he'd only made one tv movie um, and he'd done some TV shows, but like this was his, you know, basically his first feature, you know, regular feature film. Was know? Duel for uh, TV? That was for TV. Uh-huh. Right. And it got a lot of, you know, accolades. And, and he yeah. compares this to Jaws. You know, it's basically that's the same thing as Jaws. It's the same sort of story. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you know, a vehicle, uh, you know, a truck compared to, you know, a shark, you know. Right. But, it was um, also the Sugarland Express in '74. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one that he yeah. did right before this. So that okay. would that would have been his first one. This is his second. I'll, I'll take you're, you're right about that, um, Squeaker. So I didn't think it would have. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Patrick. No, go ahead, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, how do you think the movie would have fared if um, if the shark actually worked in the salt water? Because the first shot with Chrissy. I mean, we look at it now, it's like, wow, this is brilliant. However, you were supposed to see the shark. 
yeah. attacking her and everything. And because, like I said, it wasn't working, it just changed the whole aspect. How do you how how would have you think it would have turned out if we saw the shark from the beginning? I think it would have made it a weaker film. I think yeah, it would. I, I think totally. I think half the deception is that you know the use of the POV shot of the shark is so big in this, and I think less is more when it comes to something that's. The, that's more terrifying to me. The less you see about in a horror film, the more yeah. exciting it becomes because you're not giving too much. You know, I think I, I go back to a, uh, a film that I worked on, which Tusk, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and the, one of the biggest problems I think that with that film was that we saw the creature too soon. Yeah, way too, way soon. too soon. If that would have come up, you know, at the very end of this film, uh, you would have been. I fine. would have watched the whole thing. It would have been, yeah. <laughs> you would have been fine with it, and you would have been okay with everything else leaning up to it. But, mm-hmm. but because it that. came up too early, <laughs> then you just you're instantly out of the story, and and it's mm. still interesting film to watch, and and but like it's not. What we need to cover been. that movie at one time because, boy, are we going to have different. Uh, oh yeah! No. Oh no! On, I'm not uh, watching that. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Still not. Still not going to no. watch the whole thing. All right. No. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We'll, we'll save it for a little mini one. But uh, <laughs> even if we get Kevin Smith on here. Okay, maybe. Okay, you gotta right. you gotta book that guy first. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Isn't yeah. he busy making yoga hosers too? Uh, oh, uh, so uh, angry. So yeah. angry. Uh, this movie was weird when they announced the sequel to it because I remember our childhood selves were discussing, heck, they killed the shark. How can there be another one? And, <laughs> oh, and by the way, that you know what the name of that shark they called it? Um, the one that was hanging? No. Oscar. That was his na- nickname that everyone gave The dead him. shark? The dead shark's name was Oscar. Was it oh, because well, he was grouchy? I guess. <laughs> I'd be grouchy too if I was on a hook. I think it was because right? they, you know. with that one bad actor going, what? What? Um, but we, one of my friends had said that if you watch the first Jaws when he explodes and that blood is going all over the water, you could see this little shape go out. And that's, that's uh, a baby Jaws. And we were like, what? I don't remember no baby Jaws. <laughs> and I, every time Wait I watch that part, there isn't. There isn't. Uh, okay, hang on. It but, just ended on my TV. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to see if I can see it. <laughs> there we wow. go. You're, gonna, you're looking for nothing. It's half a shark. That's Laura rewinding the VHS tape back over there. It's a double tape set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, Jaws two, we went to see. We were there was no way we were going to miss that. It wasn't until Jaws three where we went. I'm starting to learn my lesson. <laughs> oh, it's in three D. Anything okay. else you guys want to talk about in this uh, lovely Pippet. Jaws film? <laughs> where Pippet. is Pippet? Yeah, Pippet. one of the things. Pippet. The Pippet's still running down about. the beach. Okay, I like that ending. Yeah, <laughs> the the first scene, um, the same one with the shot on uh, with Shutter. No, um, when uh, the mayor goes over to the family and like tries to make them go swim to be the first people oh, out yeah. there, the look yeah. on that yes. lady's face, like yes. like the look of fear in that entire family, um, was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of those little moments like that that were pretty good, you know, expressions, and that was definitely one of them. Um, fun, fun. I love Harry's uh, bathing cap when he's in the water. He's going towards that girl who's on her back on like a raft or something. And Scheider, uh, Brody sees the 
he thinks it's like might be the shark and then it goes underneath and it comes up and it's Harry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. These little <laughs> scared because he's scared. <laughs> and then Harry comes up with his little bouncy man boobs and he's like, the water's cold. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go. We know. We know, Chief, you don't go in the water. And that's when he delivers his. That's, that's a bad hat, Harry. Yep. Yes. Indeed. More Harry. Why wasn't he in part two? <laughs> Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago. And it's got right to my head. What do you guys think about the ending of this film? Really that much. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was a blank palette at the end. Uh, Pippin, I was actually run. so nervous that there was more things on me at that water. Yeah. You know? I did too. I was Gosh, a little nervous yeah. that, you I'm know. Well, what, how would this have ended differently if all of a sudden you see them swimming off into the distance and you see a shark fin come up behind them? Ooh. That would any sharks <laughs> been, been after the bloody shark explosion shark? Well, they would have been eating all of that because yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Um, I think it would have been a different movie if they went by the novel and Hooper didn't survive, and it would just be right. Brody and he's yeah, he'd be talking to himself. <laughs> what day is it? Well, Brody, no Tuesday. Brody yeah. did have you know a little phobia there. Um, he you, did, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I think it was really cool the one one scene at the table, uh, uh, Brooklyn. You can probably tell us about that one. You know, yeah, when Hooper comes over and uh, you know he brings the wine and they're talking about he's going on the Aurora, and then Mrs. Brody says, yeah, "Martin uh, has a fear of the water." She says, "What? What, what do you call it?" And he says, "Drowning." <laughs> <laughs> so so appropriate. And, right? and that other great line when he says, you. "You know." A guy living on how can you you know how can a guy believe living on an island if here's the water? And he said it's only an island if you if you, if you see it from the water. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's a great line. <laughs> that was a great line, and 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 it's and very appropriate, right? You know, yeah, kind of relevant to right end, now. And then at the end, he's uh, kicking. They're kicking along, uh, him and Hooper, and he says, "Yeah, I used to be afraid of the water." And then Hooper goes, "I can't imagine why." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I still think that shark should have come up at the end. He just popped no, his head up. You you just, that would have screamed. That would have screamed sequel if you would have saw the. That, that would yes. that would have been the yes. next one. That's right. That's that exactly. Well, that that definitely would have happened now if that movie were to come out this year. Oh, without a last, doubt. You know, five oh, yeah. years that would have happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the new way to end a film. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, let's talk about movies that we've seen uh, in the last week or so here. Anybody seen anything exciting or TV shows that you've been watching? Uh, let's start with our uh, Laura over there. I watched the Bad News Bears today for about the thousandth time. Yes. Oh, and it awesome. was every bit as good as it always is. And I love yes. it so much. Much. We're talking it about just, the original, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and this, like nothing screams summer more than Bad News Bears and Walter Jaws. Yep. Um, like all summer rental, like all of the classic summer movies. Bad News Bears is right up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much fun, you know. It's right up there with Camp Rock. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, to take a take a yeah, line out of Jaws. What? 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 <laughs> you guys don't have Disney Plus? What the hell's going on? <laughs> Camp Rock, Camp Rock Two. You're you're not using classics. that just to strictly watch Hamilton over and over again, is that? I yeah. watched it twice. I, I did watch it twice. Joe Jonas I tell you what I watched. Demi Lovato. Huh? Demi- <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got Demi Lovato. You've got the Jonas Brothers. I'm sure somebody's named Pippet. I'm uh, sure. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I could watch it again and again. No, I actually I watched uh, Harriet. Because uh, about Harriet Tubman, her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What? What? uh, Because I've been in love with Cynthia Erivo since uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is the first time I. I She's so good. Oh my God. And she's so good in Harriet. The movie itself isn't like. It's not blow away. You know, it didn't affect me the way like Glory did or, uh, you know, 10 years of. 12 years of slave? 12 years of slave. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the new math. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but it was a it was a solid movie, and you got it, it's Leslie fun. Autumn Junior from yeah. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Did you say it's fun? It is. It's a fun movie to watch it's a fun because movie we about don't slave trade. No, it's not not not, not that. But uh. on the fact that <laughs> it's it shows what really happened, and there's not enough of us mm-hmm. discussing those type kind of films. Yeah, you it's know? definitely worth seeing. I think it's on the HBO. Right. It's right, not a, you know. I, it doesn't go down as a blow me away kind of film and it's no, amazing no. like you're saying it's right. not but it is very she's entertaining great in it. And, the and she's amazing in it. The yeah. performances are excellent. Except I didn't really like the uh this will get me in trouble. I didn't like the white actors as much. Well, they were very That's not going to get you in trouble. It's okay yeah. to not like the white actors. <laughs> well, it's and I didn't recognize any of them really and I just was like, uh, they're not as good as the uh the black actors in this so well they, they yes and and they weren't I support they, your decision yes they thank were not thank you. um uh brooklyn have you watched uh, anything lately uh, other than yeah, jaws I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of watching movies that i've seen a hundred times mm-hmm. yeah, so recently yeah. this, this, this week i watched two uh one was my bodyguard oh, oh yeah nice. not the whitney houston one. Oh, okay no no no, no that's the one the Matt one Dillon. with Christopher Makepeace and Matt, there you go and Matt yeah. Dillon. Yeah. I, I just uh, Brooklyn. Like I, Brooklyn. I just bought that on iTunes like two or three it's months great. ago, and because I loved movie. that when I was a kid, and uh, it yep. still still holds. Still oh, what holds a sweet up. movie! Yeah. yeah, yeah. And recently, my wife and I, um, I bought a projector, so we mm-hmm. watched on the big screen because it was an anniversary of uh, Midnight Run. Oh, so we watched that oh, again. nice. Oh. Good yep. one. Yep. Yes. So that was great watching on the on the big screen. No, that's great. Wow. Yeah. I need to watch it again. I haven't seen that since it came out. Totally. Squigger. Totally. Squigger, have you seen anything lately? 
that you could mention? Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I've been powering through some TV shows. That's, that's about. <laughs> 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 um, I went back and rewatched an old. Um, I say old. It's, it ended a couple years ago. Um, episodes on Showtime. Anybody ever watch that? Uh, episodes. Episodes. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Matt what is that? I don't know. That. Um, it's about uh, two English writers who had a hit show in in England. They get it. They want them to make it in America, so they go to America, and it's about them making their show. Oh mm. wow! Mm. So it's about every really hit show in in England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not a twist because it happens in the second episode, but they it's like this really smart, funny show. And then when they get to America, they cast Matt LeBlanc, Joey from Friends as, <laughs> as the lead. Oh, and it just like changes their entire show. <laughs> um, womp womp. So it's, it's funny. I, I've always wow. liked that. Has anybody ever seen Search Party? You oh. know, a friend of mine is on season three of it or whatever's like oh, really? just dropped on HBO now. So she's like, watch a few, watch my episodes. And I watch like two or three episodes and it's not my show. I just was like, who is she? She, she's in the court scenes. And from what I remember in the episode, she, she always looks like she's in like the back of people. Like I, I haven't seen her, but it, it also doesn't hold my attention. It becomes a, a background show for me. Um, yeah. It's, um, I hate every character in it, I think, but yeah. it's, it's an interesting enough story. <laughs> See, I went back and watched all of Breaking Bad from the start because that's my show. There you go. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. And it's a summer show, but I banged it out in like two weeks. So now I did that to... with Dark. Three mm. seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm watching a, a, a one that's on uh, Apple TV right now that's kind of... It's, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, Perry Mason. Anyone check that out? That's HBO. Oh, on HBO yeah. said, yeah, what did I say? Apple TV. Yeah, Robert, uh, yeah. on Apple. I um, saw an ad for that. It looked wild. It's a very, it's slow, and, and but it, the story is, you know, the characters are building, and it's getting better. So we'll see where it goes and, you know, how it turns around. But it's like yeah. the prequel to Perry Mason. I have friends who love that show, mm-hmm. and I had heard kind of mixed things. Some people are like, God, it's so slow. and It is very slow. It is, but is it as slow as a regular Perry Mason? Because Perry Mason is a snooze fest. (laughs) This is this is has got a little bit better than that. You know, of course, Perry Mason was what in the fifties, you know, or sixties. My favorite, my favorite Perry Mason is when he uh, helps them fight Godzilla in Japan. There. I don't oh, remember that one, but I don't either. Uh, when they add, oh come on, they add uh, Raymond Burr into the original Godzilla movie before they released it in America. Oh shit, I do remember that. Oh my god. God, I made a funny and nobody got it. Yeah. <laughs> I watched an, another one too, um, and it's really sides. Um, no, <laughs> another, a, a film actually. Um, ah. That really it was really wild because I watched it and didn't realize until like the very Mandy. end that I'd seen it before, <laughs> and. Um, it's called Don't Look Now, which was with Donald Sutherland. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And, I've uh, heard of that. Yeah, it's a cool little, you know, horror. I think it's Italian horror, maybe, was like. Uh, it's very giallo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, 
funny as I got all the way to the end and then I was like, oh, I remember watching it now. Like I couldn't remember the you know parts of it. But the very troll face yeah. person. Yeah. Is it good? Is it good? Is it? Oh, it's so good. It's, it's a really good. It's a really good film. It holds up. Um, yeah. You know, it's you can you tell it was made in you know in the seventies and it's right. got that kind of, but it has an artistic. <laughs> kind of taste to a horror film which was you know kind of neat at that time because it's italian right yeah. right you and, and i must have been on the same wavelength because speaking of donald pleasance i watched i watched john carpenter's prince of darkness uh which you look like you have no recognition I, of that I don't, movie ever i don't prince think of I've darkness, seen it. prince of darkness is a carpenter movie and uh donald pleasance john carpenter yeah really i haven't no, seen daryl yeah, John Carpenter. <laughs> well, I'm just making sure since I'd never seen it, and I thought I'd Pivot. seen all of Pivot's John Carpenter. Carpenter. I thought I'd seen all of John Carpenter's films, but this I'd... is a movie that we were all Carpenter fans, uh, and we all hated this movie, Prince of Darkness, because the uh, the evil is a, a liquid in this kind of big tube that's uh, hidden away in a church, <laughs> and uh, I rewatched it. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's a lot of the. Uh, usual suspects from Carpenter movies like the young guy from uh, Big Trouble in Little China and the old guy Egg, Egg Shin I love Big them Trouble. they're both in it uh, it's just it's it's kooky it's weird it's uh, a little I'm gonna watch this Prince of Darkness there you go Patrick I think um, I think the main confusion came from two different Donalds being talked about yeah that's what yeah, I was thinking right. oh that's did you say Donald Sutherland yes. Yes. yes I did see that I saw that on the big screen last year during the Halloween uh... yes, oh, yeah they, they did have it they did, they did. Yeah. yeah and I wasn't able to see it on that one you um, oh I'm sorry I was I, I wanted it to be Donald Pleasant so badly. That's what I heard. <laughs> um, I thought the Donald. I thought "Don't Look Now" was so boring. <laughs> it's very artsy, you know, Italian artsy film, you know. So well, I, I mean, sometimes I you that. get a Suspiria or or something that comes mm -hmm. along that's got pretty colors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good did, music. And I watched another one too. Was the and I've seen it, but I you know kind of going back. Um, the this one I love, and if you guys haven't seen this. It's an English humor film, uh, Death at a Funeral. Does anyone love seen it? it? No, love you told it. me that. You texted me to watch that Death at a Funeral. Yeah. you haven't seen Death at a Funeral. It is so good. I mean, no, ma'am, I have. Not. It's the best Alan Tudyk role I've ever seen. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, so it's not that old. Okay. No, no, it's two thousand seven. Is that? What and you said? don't want to watch the American remake. You want to no, watch the no. English version. Right. Do not watch. That's exactly right. Yes, because no. it's not even the same film. No, nope, not even like, the same. Yeah. But if you want to see some Alan now. Tudyk butt, oh, you man. watch yourself some Death at a Funeral. He he plays. It's I'm not, not going to give it away, point. but I highly recommend watching it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so so fun, fun. and um, it, and yeah. it's it's funny from beginning to end. It's yes. like there's never a dull moment. Yeah, it's it's really good. So it was fun to go back Ooh. and do that. Well, let's talk about what we're doing uh, for the next film. I would think it's maybe uh, a guy's name. And maybe something that we've already talked about already. Donald Pleasance. Oh, that's not it. It, it is a Donald. It is. It is a kind it's of a, a Donald. Don. Uh -huh. It is. And uh -huh. well, and it's not a Lido. No. It's, it's a Darko. It is a oh, Darko. Hey, so it's Donnie, Donnie Darko. Darko. All right. So that'll be fun to get into and um, and jump into, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I love that movie. We thank Me everybody too. that's listened this long and held on to Jaws and, and, and heard us talk about it because uh, without you guys, we would not be here um, having so much fun. 
earrings. What? Yeah. What? And we want to thank our special guest, uh, Brooklyn, for coming on. And uh, yeah, you've out. been yeah. so fun. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. So, to do it again. Yeah. An expert. Somebody who's met Roy Scheider. Damn. Yes. We're so jealous. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. anyway, we want to make sure you rate, subscribe, and review uh, Adult Beverage Film Podcast on all your little platforms you've got. <laughs> tell tell your friends. Tell all of them. In some yes. cases, you even two people. And, yeah. Threaten yeah. them. Threaten them to watch it. Right. Dare or, them. Or listen. Or don't, listen. Don't, listen. Don't, oh, yeah, yeah, don't watch you it. Don't, don't watch yeah. it. But, you but dare listen. them to listen. <laughs> dare them to listen. Well, anyway, we want to thank everybody for uh, listening and, uh, and, and join us for our next podcast coming soon. So thanks a lot, and thanks for being you. Yeah. All right. Bye. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Adult Beverage Film Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors, Bricks Wood Fired Pizza, where they bring people together. They also have some of the best adult beverages around, so check them out. Be sure to visit adultbeverage.net on the web to find out more interesting facts about films and exciting bonus material. You have just listened to Laura, Patrick, and Kent, and Squeaker. Love our podcast? Head over to your favorite platforms such as Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes to subscribe, rate, review. That's this week's episode of Adult Beverage Film Podcast, and thank you for listening.